0: Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality of pop culture. I'm Jamie,
1: who's got two thumbs and loves to edit. This guy Dwayne,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Sammy. Uh, Dwayne's it's a it's a <laughs> hopefully that stays a private joke, and it doesn't become a problem for the listeners. We're <laughs> <for> having <laughs> internet issues, so hopefully Skype will bail us out and get us a good a good feed here. Um, but if there if there's robot voicing, or if Dwayne disappears for 15 minutes, um, yeah, it's everybody being at home and on Netflix all at the same time. Exactly. Lots of lots of podcasts are having issues right now, but <laughs> yeah,
1: as we are continuing to quarantine <laughs> and cast separately our pods toward each other on on the uh, s- s- Skype, uh, we. Uh, We'll uh, make this the best, most fun we can. So, Jamie, we've dropped enough of them. What are we talking about this week?
0: Clue: We're watching the 1985 classic clue starring Tim Curry and every other funny person from the eddies, not named John Candy. <laughs>
1: Well, I was one hundred percent expecting John Larroquette or Harry Anderson to walk onto the screen at any moment as this cast was, was unfolding and as you were watching this and just the absurdity, you know, would have would have made that just completely normal.
0: Would have fit right in. Oh no, yeah,
2: definitely. They they would have just slid right in there perfectly. So
0: But this is one of those movies that I saw on TBS as a kid over and over again. And just have this, you know, Fondness for it that maybe is justified, maybe not. Uh, we'll get into that shortly, but before we do, we're going to keep it 100. It's time to keep it
1: 100. 100. 100. 100. All right, and as we keep it 100, uh, during this segment of the show, we like to uh, let everybody know we're doing this as a service to ourselves and our listeners, hopefully a service, And we're kind of cluing you guys in and letting each other know about something that we've been enjoying lately, uh, something that's come back up on our radar, something that we're a fan of. And we're giving ourselves 100 seconds to do that. So um, my lead off here is for the 2010 biographic tale of the rock band The Runaways. I'm staying on brand with music here. <laughs> so we have Kristen Stewart as Joan Jet, Dakota Fanning as Cherry Curry, Scout Taylor Compton as Lita Ford and Jamie, Michael Shannon as their creator and producer, Kim Fowley, an absolute insane person who took these group of young girls he had assembled into rock and roll, superstardom. These guys really, I mean, formed female-led attitude, rock. I mean, so much punk influence, Uh, you know, just the attitude. And Joan Jett is really the heart of the band. Everybody else, you know, Cherry Curry was kind of there as a, a, you know, hot-looking front singer. Uh, Lita Ford, this slamming guitar player, had a killer bass player and drummer. But uh, Joan Jett is really the heart and soul of the songwriter. And as she's continued her career, you really see kind of a focal point of her in this movie. So that's going to be my keeping it 100. 2010's The Runaways.
0: You had me at Michael Mm -hmm. Schinger. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I knew I would. I knew I would. And as, I'm, as I'm looking at this movie, and I didn't even look at the cast list. It's kind of been on my radar, and I've never seen it. So I was watching it the other, uh, about a week or so ago, and I said, I know that guy. <laughs> Who is that guy? And he is, you know, Michael Shannon's one well, of these actors. He's got this face. He's got this presence that you recognize. But he can morph. He can kind of, you know, inhabit a role. And the way he was dressing and the things he was doing, I mean, he had green hair, and a dog collar. I mean, <laughs> I mean, in in the club, and and they're referring to him as as this. they to him as Frankenstein. You know, he's, a, he's this big, tall. It, it was so great, but the oh, movie was so much fun. So yeah, I would recommend anybody check it out. You know, and
2: Michael Shannon usually has a very distinguishing voice. I mean, you can usually pick him out.
0: So
1: yeah, I, I think he ch- was even toying with that a little bit. Hmm. We'll have to check that out.
0: Well, I'm up next, and I'm, a, I'm going along for the theme of the episode. Let's see what I mean. Just a second. Here, let, me, let me get my timer started. All right. I'm pitching Total Wipeout. Okay? So, Clue is ridiculous. It's fun. Not the smartest movie ever made. It's not going to make you feel any smarter for having watched it. <laughs> um, so... Total Wipeout is kind of my family's guilty pleasure. It's not the American version, the British version. Total Wipeout. Um, they get 20, I think it's 20, 20 of the most ridiculous people they can find, take them to Argentina and make them fall off things for an hour. Um, <laughs> it's great! <laughs> and the two hosts are hilarious and um, the people willing to get on TV and do this are hilarious people and it's fun to watch people bounce off of obstacle courses. Me and my kids have a great time. Um, You probably don't want to tell people you watch it. Um, It's not going to help your street cred or your intellectual, you know, credibility. um, Total wipeout. During these uncertain, uh, troubled times, you will forget your troubles for about an hour as you watch the British people bounce off the things. And that's my keeping it 100. Total wipeout.
1: Okay, now this <laughs> sounds like a, uh, a take on the, uh, I think in America we're familiar with it as the most extreme challenge, or in Japan it's Yoshi's Castle that would come on. Have you ever seen that?
0: No. I, no, I haven't seen oh, it.
1: Oh, my goodness. No. Please Google it or YouTube it. Th- it's, and it's like this legit, these guys in Japan, they dress up in samurai outfits, like the robes, not the armor. And they're sitting there as the announcers, and they've named. Think I have seen that. And one of them's like Leroy, another one's Kevin, and there's and it starts out with like a (laughs) hundred people just go through a bum rush of like stuff flying at them, mud, flood, foam walls, and they're trying to do the obstacle courses. And they've dubbed it over into English. Oh my gosh, it's so hilarious. We just just discovered
0: that there's an Australian version, and I can't wait to hear. You know, the Australian accent <laughs> with all this ridiculousness. So
1: yeah, yeah. Try to try to look up the most extreme challenge or Yoshi's Island.
0: Or Yoshi's well, they've Island. added um, a bunch of it into Amazon Prime now, and so there's like see like multiple seasons of Wipeout. Oh, that's cool.
1: Okay. cool. That's tons of fun. Tons of fun.
0: Yeah, you'll feel guilty for laughing at the dumb people when you're done, but it's a great time.
1: <laughs> it's a great time, going <laughs> it? <laughs> I to check check
2: it out. Now. Definitely.
0: Yeah.
2: All right. You will feel
0: less stressed out.
2: (laughs) I think we all need that right about now, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's get my timer started. So for my keeping at 100, I have a documentary double feature, both dealing with Hammer Films. Uh, Monster Madness, The Gothic Revival of Horror... And Flesh and Blood, The Hammer Heritage of Horror, both provide different stories for the history of Hammer Studios. Uh, Both documentaries draw on a number of interviews and clips. You get scenes from screen gems such as The Curse of Frankenstein and The Horror of Dracula, even One Million Years B.C. You know, this is the studio that made Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing icons. But they were also early parts of the careers for Rochelle Welch, Ursula Andress, and Sybil Shepherd. So, you know, at a time when science fiction was ruling the, ruling the box office, Hammer brought back gothic horror. And that's what makes it awesome. Now, you do have to keep in mind, in true Hammer style, some of these scenes may not be appropriate for all ages. <laughs> but... <laughs> Both documentaries are available on Amazon Prime. They're great and that is my keeping it 100. All right.
1: Awesome, awesome. I love the classic Hammer films and, and how seriously they take the cheese.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, and like I said, I mean, just that, that whole idea of, you know, when these movies came out, you know, kind of the golden age of, of monsters was over. It was all about Big bugs and irradiated aliens and stuff like that, and they brought back that gothic horror that you would find in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or Bram Stoker's Dracula. You know, they brought that back and made a huge, huge thing
0: out of it. So, yeah, when um when they started making the Lord of the Rings movies, I went back and watched a couple of the old Christopher Lee Hammer movies, and mm-hmm. it was entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of difference in budget between Lord of the Rings and the Haber
2: movies, though. <laughs> <Just a touch. laughs> Even though I did see a, a fantastic drawing today of uh, Saruman with a flat iron trying to straighten out his hair. All right. So that is our Keeping It 100s for this week. So that brings us... ...to our opening thoughts and grades. So this is Jamie's pick. So Jamie's going to be at the tail end of this opening thoughts. So Dwayne, you're leading us off, buddy. So, uh, All righty. I'm mean,
1: <laughs> in mean, first place again. I wish I could say the same for this movie. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Don't want to give you guys a <clears throat> clue to my grade, but the grade will be in the C range. Um, This was totally an enjoyable movie. It was kind of a hot mess, uh, very dated, very child of its times, which I love being a child of the 80s. But this was really, really where that 80s stamp pretty hard. Um, Being based off of a board game, uh, I was kind of wondering how they were going to do it. Um, I know we have such... Classics, you know, board games translated into movies as Mousetrap and the classic Battleship. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sammy. Thank you for that laugh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going with a C minus. This isn't the oh. bottom of the pile, uh, but this is—it's one of those kind of cool guilty pleasures, maybe. Uh, that I wouldn't be ashamed to revisit maybe with a group of friends and popcorn and pizza to throw at the screen uh, as we mystery size 3,000 this thing. Uh, yeah. It, it some fun, uh, especially with that in mind. But it, but it was kind of dated. It was kind of scattered, I think. Uh, it'll get, come to that later in my pants. But, yeah, I'm going C-. Okay. So, Sammy, why don't you let us know what you have before Jamie shows us?
2: All right, so so I will open up with, I love the board game clue, okay? I was in seventh grade, and I got it at my class Christmas party, okay? Of course, every other child in the room is like, eh, a board game, and I'm like, a board game! You know, <laughs> I, I was that kid. Uh I really fell in love with the characters. I fell in love with the game. Uh, I'd always been a big fan of detectives and private investigators. So I'd watched a lot of Sherlock Holmes, as we've talked about in the past. Um, I I loved Humphrey Bogart as Sam Spade. uh, And very similar to uh, what Jamie had talked about in his opening thoughts, I saw this on TBS. So the first time I ever saw the movie itself. And um, it was fun. Now, do keep in mind, this is not high cinema at all, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be. It's just fun, and it really took me back to that, that youthful time in my life when, when I could be 12 and 13 and, and laugh inappropriately <laughs> at things. Uh, so I'm going to give it a B+, plus actually. So I'm not going <laughs> to C, but I'm going to give it a B+. Plus. Alright,
0: um, I like this movie. Um, I don't love it. I don't adore it. Um, but I do get a kick out of it. Every time I watch it, I have a blast. I have a great time. Um, I don't ever regret watching it. Um, but it's one of those movies that, like, it's a great while it's on, and then it doesn't leave much of a footprint once the credits roll. Like, I'm not left thinking about <laughs> anything you <laughs> include. Um... You know, no no big emotions are raised. Um, not left thinking philosophically, nothing like that. And it's got flaws aplenty. Um, it does, but it's still a good time. This is plus. plus. All right. Dwayne's Captain Killjoy over there.
1: <laughs> no. Oh, well, that was
0: supposed to be the show hipster. What happened?
1: <laughs> well, apparently once I got the jazz goatee going, I'm trying to get a little high cinema going on here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah, with my quarantine goatee, um, yeah, it, this movie, it kind of, it is what it is. I don't know that it knows what it is, and I don't know that it ever settles into that. It always seems to be striving and reaching to me, and it never quite l- sticks that lamp.
0: Well, I think yeah. it's safe to say, though, that it is the best board game adaptation movie ever made.
1: <laughs> it's definitely better than battleship
2: Hey, and i've watched dungeons and dragons so this is way better than that
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. i try to pretend that never happened
1: <laughs> i think a lot of people try to pretend that never happened oh so, you know just to
2: throw in real quick with this you know i do think that they were trying to be Mel brooks i really do feel like this movie was trying to be a Mel brooks movie um and, and, and even the casting of some of these people are very much Mel Brooks um, but I don't know like you said it, I don't know if it actually got there and landed what it wanted <laughs> but it's still
1: fun <laughs> it is a lot of fun and as we continue to shower some love on this movie let's go ahead and talk about the things we did enjoy in our fan section graphically novel three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not so classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically novel: three brothers who like each other but love comics.
0: All right, um, I'm first out of the gate on this one, and uh, my my favorite thing in Clue is the dialogue. Um, I just love all the bizarre conversations they have, the you know the hilarious and painful misunderstandings the bizarre things that come out of some of these people's faces. Um, and, just, and just how horrible all these people are. And as things slowly get un- unraveled about really how terrible they truly are. I mean, it just makes for even like more funny dialogue. And I just love that, the, how the arguments kind of crackle. I mean, they're clever, um, not smart, but they're clever. <laughs> it's clever dialogue. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's 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 absurd dialogue, and I love it. That's my that's my that's my fan for Clue, the dialogue.
1: All right. Okay. Well, you know, uh, you kind of alluded to a little bit with with your uh, fan, Jamie, the dialogue, but you also mentioned the cast. The cast of this thing really had me with so much nostalgia, just seeing all of these familiar faces on the screen, and a lot of them I really haven't seen in ages. But a true standout in the cast was Tim Curry. Now, I was introduced to Tim Curry in The Hunt for Red October. Then I discovered him later in Legend with Tom Cruise. Then I discovered him in Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> then I discovered him in the movie It. Then Congo. I mean, this guy is in everything. And he devours the screen. When it's his time to devour the screen, he just just absorbs every <laughs> bit of it and excels. I love him as an actor, and he him as the butler in this thing was just so absurd and just kind of this weird mastermind twister of of reality here, and all the little twists and turns that he takes. That's it. The, the cast and especially him are my biggest fans of this movie.
2: All right. Well, it, it, it's telling about me because my first inter- introduction to Tim Curry was Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it, well, as as many inappropriate things as as I watched as a child, that was not one of them. I discovered that a little bit later uh, in my years, but uh, yeah. Uh, and when I realized, when I made the connection, oh, he's he's the Russian medical officer in Red October. Oh, he's Pennywise! Oh, he's the <laughs> devil! In, uh, and I was like, this guy's amazing.
0: So <laughs> I, I first saw him in Legend and loved him in Legend. And then when yeah. I finally saw him without the makeup and all this stuff, I'm like, wait, that guy? <laughs> <laughs>
1: and he is—he is. He's such a chameleon. He's so uh, oh, such yeah. a phenomenal actor. I was—I uh, was looking at his IMDb as uh, as I was you know finishing up this movie, and you know just all of not even you know roles that you see his body language and appearances take on so different roles. I mean, voice acting. I mean, his IMDB goes for it ever mm-hmm. back. And it's all like from now to 2015. I mean, it's like so many roles. He's amazing. He's amazing. But Sammy, I was stepping on you, my friend. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, you're fine, my friend. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, it's
2: almost like part of, of what both of you said. Okay, it's it's a combination of the cast and the dialogue that makes this movie stand out to me and my fan. Um, the, The way they deliver this dialogue, they have to have impeccable comedic timing to be able to hit the marks and make this work because it is absurd. It, it's like I said, it's not like Jamie said, it's not intelligent, but it's fast paced. It's witty. You have to listen to be able to get it. Uh, so you end up with a lot of stuff that, that especially when I was younger, maybe I didn't get that as I'm <laughs> older now. I'm like, uh, you know kind of deal um, you know and I think Jonathan Lee couldn't have chosen a better cast for what this movie is as an ensemble because they work so well together and that's, that's my biggest fan I think with Clue
0: yeah I think with a lot of movies you could look at a cast and think you know I could probably upgrade this cast member and just find, find maybe one or two places you can find somebody better for that I wouldn't want to change anybody in this movie no
1: yeah, they all had their they all had their spots to shine and they they did. They truly worked really good together. And it was so refreshing to see, you know, the true ensemble. They they really, you know, as much as, as they were outrageous characters, they really didn't outstage each other. They all had their absurd, crazy, silly moments. Yeah. But but you know, where did this movie go wrong? Where did this movie get murdered, so to speak? Was it in the library with the candlestick? Was it in the billiard room? With with the the rope? I think it may have been in the kitchen with the pan. And we're back with our pans of this movie. Now, I think me having the lowest rate, I'm leading off here. And the thing that really I had a lot of trouble with is I know the board game clue. I love the board game clue. I've been introducing it to my children over the last few months, and they really enjoy it. And as much as you have the different rooms and the different sections and segments of the game and, and all the different characters, this movie never completely come together with, for me. And I don't know if it was the retelling of things the telling of from different perspectives. Uh, But this movie was kind of, uh, you know, scattered and never really landed that for me. It never really cohered all of that together. So that was really my only pan. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um,
2: I guess it comes to me for pans. Um, So I think my biggest pan is... Even though the gags, the sight gags, the, the physical comedy is funny, I think sometimes it goes on a little too long, um, especially the running from room to room, explaining everything that's, that happened. It starts to get a bit over the top and starts to feel a little bit more like Scooby-Doo than, than Clue. You know, I, I wanted to cue the music. And, and, you know, it's fun to be in love with an ostrich, you know, as they're being chased through the hallway. Uh, but, yeah, I think some of the, the, the sight gags are a bit overdone. Uh, they could have been cut a little bit. They were funny at first, and then they just started to drag. So I think that's my biggest pan for the movie.
0: Okay. All right. Um, you having? I, I do. Um, like I guess I really like this movie, but uh, this movie hasn't aged well. <laughs> I, um, you know, I don't. I don't enjoy doing social critiques when I'm reviewing stuff. But man, this thing did not age well. I mean, think about how many seconds of this movie are spent ogling Yvette. Um, Speaking of not
2: aging well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: what do you mean? Um, but do you think about the way the women are ogled and the, the way they're groped at times? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's all for laughs and I'm, you know, I've got, and I'm fully, I'm self-aware of it. I mean, since I've had kids, both of my kids are daughters, I've gotten more sensitive to this kind of stuff. Um, things that you just just kind of, you know, slide by my dude eyes and didn't think about it. But now that I've got, you know, Hey, wait a second. Wait
1: a minute here. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's not cool. Um, and it, and it kind of made me uncomfortable at points. And, and some of the stuff just kind of makes it hard for me to recommend it. Um, and so that that's that's my biggest pain. It's just, there's parts of this movie that they just really didn't age well.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a strange thing with with this. And I know other movies uh, that that we've revisited. Uh, you know, the inappropriateness. Um, you know, especially you know the maid in the French maid costume, very presented. Uh, and, and just how you know yeah. much of a scene was made about that and how much um, inappropriate comments gestures and you know things were happening there um, this was really a thing in the in the 60s 70s and 80s you know with these movies i was noticing as we as we were going back through there and it really shades uh, really shades them
0: and i and i tried to i tried to remind myself like look this was made in 1985 and it was set in 1954 I mean, right. the times were different, and these are yeah. all terrible people. Yeah, so, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> these these are not, you know, uh, these are not good people, and so like they're gonna do, you know, bad things. That's why they're that's why they're at this house. Uh, <laughs> but it's still, I mean, there were still points where it didn't make for fun viewing, and so that's right. that's why it's a pain.
1: Yeah, that's true, Sammy. I'm gonna ask you something before we move on to our awards. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I did enjoy these characters. Uh, you know, each one of them in their own absurd way. I did feel kind of a hard time uh, attaching emotion to them because they were such awful people. Did you guys right. feel that as well? You know, I, I think
2: with me, you know, it was more of a connection to the actors, is the reason that I kind of like yeah. the characters. It wasn't, you know, and we'll talk about this as we get into our awards, but, you know, it wasn't Wadsworth or Mrs. Peacock that I liked. It was, you know, the actor. It was, it was, you know, Tim Curry. It was, you Madeline
1: know. Con, yeah. Madeline Kahn. Yeah. Madeline Kahn, It was that.
2: I, I, I loved yeah. them. The the characters were, were very one-dimensional. They really were. And you just barely scratched the surface as characters who they were. Mm-hmm. So, to me, this movie, it was just about the gags and the jokes. And, and Jamie's right. I mean, it, it's definitely a movie of, of its time. So it does have some things looking back now that you can go, ooh, that wasn't really appropriate. But like I said, this was set at 54, the height of the Red Scare. I mean, we even see McCarthy on the television in the kitchen. So, I mean, you know, it's it's that kind of thing.
1: I love that Jay Edgar called. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Where would the awards be hanging in here? Would they be in the lounge or in the library?
0: I think I'm putting them in the billiards room. Yes. But I get to go first with best performance. And I get to say the right answer and everybody else gets to nod. Uh, Tim Curry gave the best performance in this movie. There's other good performances but nobody's close to how good Tim Curry is in this movie.
1: Mhm. I loved his performance in here. He owned it. He <laughs> was creepy, he was suave, he was shady. Yeah, he had all of his Tim Curry going on. Mhm. Yep. Sam, you agree? Uh, you know,
2: actually, I want to differ of this. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> There is something about Madeline Kahn as Mrs. White that cracks me up in this movie. Um, and it may just be her. You know, I loved her in Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles, talking about Mel Brooks movies, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I loved her in those movies. Uh, you know, and and as Mrs. White, all dressed in black, I mean, there, there's so much... Irony to, to her character, and I just love the way that she pulled that character off. So I I was going with Madeline Kahn for mine. So,
1: well, Sammy, uh, I, I guess if you're going to be wrong, Madeline <laughs> Kahn is a good a good character to be wrong with. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to go next with best scene, and I and I know I'd spoke about how this movie felt kind of scattered, and each section was really disjointed to me. But I love the scene when the policeman shows up. And he shows up early, and they don't know what to do, and they're all scared about trying to make plans. Uh, that that was just a lot of fun. I, I love the introduction and the interactions with the policeman and just, just how absurd these people were.
0: <laughs> Locking everybody in the rooms. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to jump in with something Dwayne mocked earlier. Um, I love the end of the movie. Where they're running around like crazy, and I think it's <laughs> and I and I think it's one of those gags that goes on too long and starts to drag. Right. But then it keeps going and wraps around to being funny again. Yeah. Um, it kind of is. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I, I I love just as they run around the butler's explaining things and he's throwing you know Michael McKee into the floor <laughs> and just and they're slapping each other. I mean, just the whole thing. I love from the time he starts unpacking what really happened. I just I love it. I love it, and especially Tim Curry there. It just he absolutely shines, and that, that's that's my best scene.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, you know, I think for me, I I loved in terms of best scene. I loved the reveal of the classic board game weapons. I love when they open the boxes and, and they're unboxing and they pull out the lead pipe and the wrench and the rope. Yeah, the all and, over you. yeah. And, and, you know, if you're a fan of the game or you're, you know the game, it's, it's just like this little, almost like an end joke that the characters don't get. They're looking like rope, you know, kind of deal. But, you <laughs> know, as an audience, get the gag there. And I love that part. That so to me, that's my favorite scene of the movie. <laughs> All
1: right, uh, I, I, I
0: I was I, I gotta be. I was tempted for that that little fifteen seconds where the singing telegram gets shot. <laughs> I, I love it's so bizarre the way that. it that was good. That was good. Yeah. I thought about that one
1: all right well sammy Uh, since you missed it on best performance who do you have for best character
2: this is is where i redeem myself my best character was wadsworth tim curry and it's because as a character he is the fulcrum of the entire story if he doesn't work what little bit of plot we actually have here doesn't work at all you know um (laughs) throughout the whole thing like, like Dwayne said he's suave sometimes he's kind of oily other times you know and that's great I love the fact that he's back and forth uh, even from the beginning with the dog and you know. checking their shoes and sniffing I mean his demeanor his delivery everything just works so well with that character so th- that's where, where I hopefully can gain back a little bit of cred with my best character
0: Right, well, while we're flip-flopping, I'm going to flip-flop your best performance to my best character. I love Mrs. White. <laughs> she's so strange. Every line delivery is strange. Every facial expression is strange. I mean, it's just, and I love it. I love, I love the, the way she underreacts to some things and overreacts to others. I, I love Mrs. White. It's a, she's just a bizarre character, and she's kind of this understated, shy-looking character Who's, you know, a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I love Mrs. White. Yep. Okay,
1: okay. Well, I'm going uh, again with Tim Curry, Wasworth the butler. Uh, he was uh, <laughs> the, the shining star in this movie, and, you know, so much hinged on him, and you in, and you m- are meeting all of these characters. And like we learned earlier, they're all really one-dimensional. They're all just kind of, like your name suggests, you Miss Scarlet, Miss White. Professor Pluck, they're all so one-dimensional and one-note. Uh, but yeah, Tim Curry uh, brought this thing together. I, I was really thinking it might be Mr. Body at one point, but he didn't hang around very long. Um, <laughs> I did enjoy the I did enjoy the cook also. <laughs> uh, yeah. the, the cook was a ton of. <laughs> the uh, the gong. <laughs> all right.
0: Well, our next award is best quote, and I get to go first. And um, I'm picking a conversation between Miss Scarlett and Professor Plum um, and they're <laughs> I'm just going to read it Miss Scarlett says I hardly think it will enhance your reputation at the UN Professor Plum if it's revealed that you've been implicated not only in adultery with one of your patients but in her death and the deaths of five other people. And Professor Plum responds, you don't know what kind of people they have at the UN. I might go up in their estimation <laughs> <laughs> I love that <laughs>
2: You know, Jamie, I, I could almost tack on to that with another conversation, okay, for my best quote. Also a conversation, because I don't think you could pick out one thing in this movie. It doesn't work unless you have the back and forth. Mine goes to Professor Plum and Wadsworth. And Wadsworth goes, Professor Plum, you were once a professor of psychiatry, specializing in helping paranoid and homicidal lunatics suffering from delusions of grandeur. Professor Plum, yes, but now I work for the United Nations. Wadsworth, so your work
0: has not changed. (laughs) 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 Those were the two I was picking between. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) That was so good.
2: (laughs) Now, I do have a second quote, but I'm, I'm going to let Dwayne go, and then i want to share my second quote that's not from the movie.
1: Oh, no. Well, I love, uh, I love, there was a couple quotes in here I was kind of waffling back and forth, and, I, and you guys have each taken Professor Plum, so uh, one of my quotes involved him. But I'm going to go with, uh, with Wadsworth and Buttle. I buttle. <laughs> <laughs> when asked i think it was by Colonel Mustard what do you do exactly? he says, I'm i am a butler <laughs> I <buttle. laughs> and it's just so absurd and snorky, and how great this
2: movie is. hey now now as a guy that that that's watched the entire run of Downton Abbey, I get that
0: <laughs> I, I, speaking of wadsworth, I like when um they're revealing well they at the end the revealing things, and uh, I think it was Chris no. I forget I forget which one is one is like, how do you know that about me? And he leans at and goes, Can you keep a secret? I says, yes. He's like, so can I. And <laughs> I just yeah. love that. All
2: right. So so before we go on, on to our, our Next award. I have a quote from a review and this kind of goes back to maybe what Jamie was talking about, how some things maybe were taken different ways and things you wouldn't see. Uh, This is a quote from Roger Ebert's review of clue. Okay. He says, the cast looks promising. The familiar faces include Martin Mull, Leslie Ann Warren, Madeline Kahn, and the wonderfully bouncy calling camp. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that was Roger Ebert's quote <laughs> Did he even watch this movie? <laughs> well, I'm leaving wow. this off with best laugh and, <laughs> uh, it, it really uh, struck me early in the movie uh, Kind of the absurdity of this movie As, as This was my very first watch of Clip um, much to uh, I know you're all's chagrin and shock but this was my first watch so I wasn't really knowing exactly what to expect but when everybody who comes in the front door there's an interaction with the dog <laughs> and one of the times and I have a side story to go with this one of the times Tim Curry j- steps out the door and he says sit and the guy sits down <laughs> I and mean, I mean, um, on the chair, <laughs> and, then, and then as everybody's coming in, they're sniffing their shoes. We were my, my youngest son is absolutely dog crazy, he loves dogs more than life. He wants us to play with them, he doesn't lick him in the face, he likes to cuddle with them any kind of cute, fluffy dog. We were at a friend's house and we were playing fetch with their little wiener dog, and my youngest is standing beside my friend and the winter dog brings the ball back and he says sit and without hesitation preamble or any type of of preparedness as to where he's going to sit my son drops his legs out from under <laughs> him and lands in a seated position <laughs> the dog also sat <laughs> My friend looked at me and he said, man, you trained him well. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: so that's just a little side story that made that so much more funny to me. Right. He, he just said, "Sit," and the guy just flops down. <laughs> but I also cracked up about everybody who came in the door was smelling their shoes. <laughs>
0: That was a real tone setter for the kind of movie you were watching. <laughs> for the kind of the, that's,
1: that, yeah, that's what i That just kind of really set it, okay, this is what it is.
0: Yep. Well, I went with a scene at the other end of the movie uh, that was my biggest laugh. And it's when, I think it's the first ending where Mrs. White has killed Yvette. And there, and there, so Wadsworth is confronted was like, you were jealous that your husband was stooping Yvette. That's why you killed him, too. And then I love the way she explains it. Yes, yes, I did it. I killed the event. I hated her so much. you're stammering. It, it the, 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 flames, flames on the side of my face. Breathing, breath, having breath, having breath, heaving. The whole ah from the from the time she confronted <laughs> starts talking. I'm just dying, just dying. I love it so much.
1: Oh, that delivery classic, was classic. Yeah, classic yeah. babbling con,
0: right? And she ad libbed every bit of that. None of that was in the script.
2: I could see that. I could see that.
1: She's brilliant.
2: All right. Um, Yeah, I've talked a lot about how I love the dialogue in this. And um, probably the scene that, that, that cracked me up, and I don't know exactly why it hit me so funny, but it was dialogue between Mr. Green, Wadsworth, and Colonel Mustard. And Mr. Green goes, so it was you. I was going to expose you. Wadsworth. I know. So I decided to <laughs> serve myself. Call Who <laughs> is there? Ladies present. <laughs> sure. This is where my 12 and 13 year old brain went. Um, so to make me laugh, I almost chose the dog poo also, but I went with
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Well, this movie was kind of famous and infamous for having the multiple endings. Because when it was released, they were it was only released with one ending. So you had to see the movie three times to get all of the different endings. And oh so, wow! Yeah, it was it was kind of infamous for that. I don't think the movie watching populace at the time loved that.
2: Yeah, uh, um, and it's almost like they sent different theaters different endings or something, didn't they? I mean, yeah, to you had really to travel around.
0: Oh, yeah. That would be and, fun. Th- and they didn't even tell you which ending, which theater had. Sometimes you would go to watch it, try to catch another ending. You would see the same ending you had seen before. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, it was a marketing ploy that maybe is what hurt the box office.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. That, yeah, that was kind of strange. Yeah.
0: Um, oh. So, Sammy, Sam, which ending was your favorite ending?
1: All right. So, my
2: best ending for me was ending B. Okay, and ending B. I love twists, right? This is the reason I love things like Twilight Zone and Tales from the Crypt. I love these strange twists. So, ending B has Mrs. Peacock, Ellen Brennan, as the murderer. Now, throughout this whole thing, she is probably the most unexpected and least suspected person, I think, in the whole thing. It's feathers and cat-eye glasses and things like this, right? Miss Scarlett Wadsworth... There's, there's something innately dubious about both of those characters. But Peacock is just not a character I would have picked out. And the moment they start singing, she's a jolly good fellow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just backing out the door. She's a revolver. I love that ending. <laughs> and I love the performance, too, because she like drops all of the goofiness. Yeah. And you yeah. See how much of that was an act, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and that's what you just get that twist, like I said. I mean, through the whole thing, she's like this this bumbling kind of befuddled older woman, you know. And then, you know, then it's like, Yes, you know, and she pulls the revolver out. And it, it's this complete twist, and that's I think why I love B. Hmm.
0: Dwayne, did you like any of the endings?
1: <laughs> oh well. <laughs> I don't know if it was ending A, B, or C, but I, I like the ending where uh, the the maid was the murderer, and just how random, you know, just just this, the, the the way of things are about unexpected that she was not even a character, you know, it, it, she was just always there, but she's the murderer. Yeah, that was.
0: Well, I, I think if I'm getting the lettering right, it's episode, it's ending C, I believe, and it's the one where everybody killed somebody.
1: Yeah, yeah, everybody, that was everybody yeah, a, somebody. Yeah. Everybody and, did something.
0: Yeah, and to me, that just feels so satisfying because they're all such terrible people. Yeah, And so for them all to have also killed people, I'm like, it just feels fitting to me. Yeah, that, so was, that, that, that was the
1: that, one that stuck with me, where everybody everybody had something to do with somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody that, killed that someone lands,
0: else. That one just lands the best on me. Yeah. Because uh, I, well, I mean, Professor Plum is such a disgusting person. Like, yep. And, like, it's the only one where he kills anybody. It's like, no, that guy is a total world-class jerk. I mean, just a terrible <laughs> human being. He needs to get wrapped up in this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that that one's the most satisfying of the endings.
1: Yeah. So was that the one you had?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was yours also,
1: yeah. Did you did see the maid. Awesome. Well, guys, there's one thing that we always have, and I'd love to know where it is in this movie clip. Is it in the kitchen? Is it in the dining room? It may be cool enough to be in the billiards room, but I think maybe the observatory is where we would find our star, Keanu Reeves,
0: and he's also the most likely to survive because he's apparently immortal. Um, <laughs> but the uh, this was another tough one, um, mostly because it was 1985, and Keanu was you know barely out of high school. Um, and these are people who are mostly known for comedy and, uh, a specific sort of like genre, a little niche they all sort of <laughs> occupy together that Keanu's never been near. Uh, so this is a little bit <laughs> of a tough one, but there is an actor in this movie that I am sure is near and dear to Dwayne's heart, thanks to his ties to music and music movies. He's been in very famous productions and some beloved and well-regarded hidden gems. His career never reached the heights that many thought it would, but he does have the pinnacle of a Keanu connection. Dwayne thinks I'm going to say Michael McKeon. It is not Michael McKeon, it's <laughs> Lee Ving, who played Mr. Body. Uh, his acting career never really blew up, but before he was ever an actor, he was the frontman for a seminal LA hardcore punk band called Fear. Um, and it was in, uh-huh. he was also in Sound City the Foo Fighters documentary, and he apparently apparently performs some there, too. He records with Foo Fighters a little bit. Yeah. Most importantly, for our purposes today, Lee Ving, Mr. Body, wrote and produced a song called No Right to Do Me Wrong on the soundtrack for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah! And that is our Keanu connection.
1: Okay. All righty. Well, I uh, I love that, the Sound City documentary. Yeah. Um, And uh, uh, I'm familiar with the band Fear. Did not know he was a front man. That's very interesting.
0: Mr. Body was in Fear. Mr. (laughs) Body. And that was
1: our Keanu connection.
0: (gasps) All right. And our next episode is going to be our Mother's Day special.
1: Yes.
0: And it's a solemn occasion. You know, we all love our moms. We got to, you know, honor them and respect them. And so we chose a heartwarming classic that shows how much we love our moms, how much they mean to us. Sammy, what did we pick for Mother's Day?
2: So, you know, as Jamie said, our mothers are like the queens of our lives. So the best queen (laughs) that I could come up with, and we decided, was the alien queen in (laughs)
1: aliens. (laughs) So, yes, this is not the first alien, but nope. aliens <laughs> with Bill Paxton and Michael Bean.
0: Just a class note.
1: This class is the James guy.
2: Cameron one, right? James, yes. <laughs> uh, this is the
1: A S, has the S on it. <laughs>
0: Happy Mother's Day.
1: Happy Mother's Day, Mom. We love you. As we prepare for this most (laughs) special time of year with this heartwarming movie, Jamie
0: (laughs) We're gonna stay out of the beard room and keep it dirty.